0: You are listening to the Godarchy Podcast, where we shove a crowbar between state and church. This is the spot where Christian faith intersects with libertarian anarchism and voluntarism. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about socialist myths. Greetings everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the God Archie podcast. As always, I do appreciate the fact that you've taken a little bit of time out of your day to listen to the show. This episode has been brewing in my mind for quite a while. It's interesting. It seems like there are a lot of Christians who are somewhat enamored with the ideas of socialism, and I think they're coming from good intentions. But the problem is, good intentions aren't enough to overcome economic reality. Um, you know, just because we wish things to be a certain way doesn't mean that they're going to be that way. And when it comes to socialism, the problems inherent in it are fundamentally economic. And I've wanted to kind of talk about a few of these for quite some time. I get a lot of trolling on the Godarchy Facebook page from uh, Christian socialists and, and uh, I guess, uh, anarcho-communists that are Christian. And, uh, you know, they'll say things to me. I'll say taxation is theft. And they'll say to me, well, profit is theft as well. You know, rent is theft. And, again, I think they're coming from – a well intentioned place, but they just don't understand economics. And it's crucial to understand basic economic principles because that's the way the world works. You know, you can't ignore physics. You can't jump off a bridge because you think it would be cool to fly. Gravity's going to get you. Well, the laws of economics are going to get you too. Um, so we need to look at some of these kind of myths that are embedded in. The Ideas of Socialism, and one of these is the idea that a product derives its value from labor, the labor theory of value, and this pops up a lot. This is the root of this whole idea that profit is theft. Uh, the idea is that uh, you know, you put a certain amount of labor into something, and if somebody's selling it for more than that, then they're exploiting you for your labor. And there are a number of problems with this, uh, just from a logical standpoint. I wanted to find somebody to talk to about this. I wanted to talk to an economist. I could do a solo episode, but you don't want to hear me droning about economics. That's boring. So started thinking, who could I get? Well, I thought, you know, what better economist to talk about something like this? Who would be fun to listen to than Walter Block? So I got Walter Block to uh, to come on the show and talk a little bit about some of these myths of socialism. Now, if you aren't familiar with Walter Block, uh, you should be, because M- Walter Block is a uh, a brilliant, important figure in the uh, the world of libertarianism. And uh, just just a fantastic person. I've actually had the opportunity to have lunch with him, talk to him in person. He is a lot of fun. And, and you'll see that in this episode. We banter a little bit, and, and it's kind of amusing. Uh, Walter Block is the Harold E. Worth Eminent Scholar Chair in Economics in the College of Business at Loyola University in New Orleans. Uh, he's also an adjunct scholar at the Mises Institute and the Hoover Institute. Um, He's taught at a number of other universities along the way. He has his PhD in economics from Columbia University, Uh, graduated in 1972. He's written over two dozen books. This guy is an amazing machine of output. Uh, Over two dozen books. Uh, probably most famously, Defending the Undefendable, which was published back in 1976. Uh, We're actually going to touch on Defending the Undefendable in this episode as well. Um, But he has a whole list of books to his credit. He's also contributed to over 600 articles and reviews to scholarly referee journals and law reviews. And um, if you're not in the world of academia, that may not seem like a lot. Believe me, 600 published articles in peer-reviewed journals is a lot. It's a massive amount of output. And one of the things that he does that's really cool is he's actually co-authored uh, many articles with students uh, to help them kind of get their first publication Um Block is a fantastic teacher, and this comes through uh, in this interview. He really knows how to explain uh, what can be mundane and dry economic principles in a a way that's really interesting and enjoyable. Um, So we're going to bring Walter on now and talk about some of the myths of socialism. All right, Walter Block, thank you so much for being on the Godarchy Podcast. How are you this lovely afternoon?
1: I'm well, and it's good to be with you. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I appreciate it. I needed an economist for this show. I was thinking about doing it myself, but, you know, some things you shouldn't do yourself. Uh, Like, I don't work on my own car, and uh, I know a little bit of economics, but I thought it'd be better to bring in the experts, so uh, that's that's why you're here today.
1: Well, I hope I can live up to that. I'll try my best. I, I'm sure you will. Uh,
0: the What I really kind of wanted to talk about, so this audience is primarily a Christian audience, and uh, – it seems like there's a lot of folks that are enamored with uh socialism and marxism in the christian world i'm i'm not sure exactly why that is i think in some ways it's its feelings and whatnot but uh i wanted to touch on some of the myths that pop up and i get a lot of uh, i don't know if it's trolling or or uh, sincere uh, desire for discourse, but folks that that want to kind of come at me on certain things. And one of the things is I'll often say taxation is theft. And the response that I'll get back is, uh, well, wages are theft or profit is theft. And um, what do you think about that when somebody says that profit is theft?
1: Well, I think that that's highly problematic. I mean, it could be uh, conceivably you could make profits uh, stealing, uh, for example, I'm now going to hold you up. I've got a gun here, and I demand that you give me your wallet, otherwise, I'll shoot you. And you got uh, fifty bucks in your wallet, and I just made a profit.
0: That's true. Uh, you, you vastly overestimate what's in my wallet, but
1: okay, uh, twenty bucks. There <laughs> 20- you go. <laughs> I made a twenty dollar profit. Right. By the way, you also made a profit because uh, you valued your life more than the twenty bucks. So That's true. we both gained uh even though it was not a well that's one way of looking at it. another way of looking at it is uh if i if i never appeared in your life you'd be better off so you lost that's true but i gained i made a profit uh because i valued the chance of me being caught are low and otherwise i wouldn't have done it and and i succeeded i got you 20 bucks haha okay but 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 that's uh, uh that's unusual Right. Uh, let's take an ordinary case. I, I see you have a nice red uh, T-shirt. I do. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, yes, good, good. And and you bought that shirt for, for the 20 bucks you had in your wallet. Right. And I deduce from that that you value that shirt at the time you bought it at more than 20. Not 20, because you're a lazy person, and and, uh, why should you expend energy in buying a shirt for 20 if it costs you 20, and there's nothing in it for you, no gain for you? Right. Every human action, Mises tells us, is an attempt to— improve our situation so you thought when you bought that shirt that you could improve your situation and let's say you valued the shirt at 25 when you bought it so you made a five dollar profit you you dirty rat you uh <laughs> horrible person and on the other hand the guy who sold you that shirt probably had a million of them and was dying to get rid of them right and he probably valued them at, at one dollar each so he made a 19 dollar profit off of you now the way our friends on the left would describe this is that you each exploited the other right he, he exploited you to the tune of 19 and you exploited him to the tune of five but that's ridiculous right father you each made a profit ex ante now ex post after the fact that uh, one or the other of you might have changed your mind he might have uh, decided well there was gold in them our shirts and <laughs> and he regrets selling you for the cheap lousy price of 20 it's worth uh, a thousand uh, and and the shirt starts fraying uh, so you wish you hadn't bought it say so ex post usually people make profit Because I'm sure you're not regretting that you bought that shirt. And I'm sure that the guy who sold it to you isn't regretting that he did it. Right. So usually, almost always, I see you have books in the background, Mm -hmm. you have a desk, you have a microphone. I don't think you regretted uh, buying any of those. And every time you did, you made a profit. Right. And I don't think that the guys who sold you that really regretted it. So their ex post there was also a profit, but that's only um, uh, an empirical claim, the uh, praxeological claim, the necessary claim, the claim which to deny would be a self contradiction. Is that when you bought it, you didn't value it, right? Now it's possible that the reason you bought it is you didn't really like the shirt, but you um, uh, felt sorry for the guy selling them. No, right? and you only and you. <laughs> Shut up, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Give me more rope. Uh, you, you, did, you You took pity on the guy. You only valued the shirt at, uh, uh, at 19, but you valued uh, helping him and being nice to him at, at an extra five bucks. So you made profit. Uh, you made a loss on the shirt, but you made a profit more than the loss on helping him. Right. So, again, necessarily you made a profit. Now, if you think that this is um, uh, theft, I mean, um, I, I don't know what universe you're in. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is not theft. Whereas taxes, I mean, if you don't pay your taxes, well, look, uh, if you don't pay your taxes, the the uh, there's a big velvet glove. They're not going to come at you with a gun right away. They're going to write you a nice letter. Hey, did you forget? We really need the money, public goods, mm-hmm. yak, 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 schools, roads, whatever. And then they'll even send you another letter. Hey, you know, we really need the money. <laughs> and, then, and then finally, there's going to be a guy in a blue uniform with a badge and a gun. And he's going to say, come with me. You didn't pay your taxes. Right. And if you resist, he's going to plug you. So how you can call that voluntary uh, is beyond me. Now, it, what they'll say sometimes is, well, you know, it's like club dues. Right. You join the golf club. You join the tennis club. You've got to pay your dues. So shut up and pay your dues. I but don't want to be in this club. <laughs> that's the point. That's precisely the point. You, you, Well, you might want to, but you never signed any agreement to be in that club. Correct. I don't want We're to, but just okay, to be clear. Okay, <laughs> fine. Well, uh, you and me both. But there are people who want to. Sure. Uh, uh, but but with the golf club and the tennis club and, and the other clubs, the chess club that you join, right. you had to get off your hind legs and, and, and put your money on the barrel head. Otherwise, I wouldn't let you join. So that's voluntary, right? Whereas, the, whereas when I held you up for your twenty bucks, that was, that was like taxes. It was
0: exactly like taxes. I was thinking that when you were saying it, right? So I think a lot of folks they're thinking, uh, you know, in in more economic terms. There's this idea of the labor theory of value. So the the calculus is that if uh, if I use my labor to produce uh, this shirt, and um, and then somebody else sells it and makes a profit, they're actually getting part of the value, I guess, that that I put into the shirt. So therefore, that's how they're stealing from me. They're taking my labor and making a profit on it. Why? What's wrong with that idea?
1: Well, that's based on the labor theory of value. Right. And uh, incidentally, uh, Adam Smith believed in the labor theory of value, but he deduced in erroneously from that, mm-hmm. namely uh, that we should have uh, – Free enterprise. If the labor theory of value is correct, then Marx would be correct. Marx also had the labor theory of value, and he deduced from it correctly, namely that um, um, uh, laissez-faire capitalism is an exploitation of the labor, because according to labor theory of value, everything that is produced of value is produced by labor. Right. So how do you account for other payments, like interest payments, like profits, mm -hmm. like uh, rents, like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, 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 other things other than profit? Now, labor is usually around 75% of the GDP. Mm Mm-hmm namely the laborer gets around 70 75 80 percent of gdp and profits are all around two percent interest payments are three percent and uh, the rents are another few they all add up to the other 25 right so what the, what our friends on the left the marxists are saying is well the, the working people have been stolen uh 25 of their of their value right it's been exploitation. And I agree, if the labor theory were correct, then uh, labor wages should be 100% of the GDP. Right. And we shouldn't have any uh, deduction for rent, interest, uh, profit, yak, yak, yak. So the question is is the labor theory of value correct? And no, it isn't. <laughs> well, why because not? Well, I can give you uh, several examples. Okay. The mud pie and the cherry pie take as much labor to put in. Uh, the input of labor into the cherry pie and the input of labor into the mud pie are equal. Let's stipulate. Right. And yet the cherry pie is worth, I don't know, 15 bucks, uh, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and, and the mud pie is worth zip. So it could hardly be that, uh, that labor is uh, necessary and sufficient. I mean, if nobody likes the mud pie, uh, you know, now what they, what they, what these uh, sneaky Marxists are going to do is they're going to say, well, the mud pie doesn't have socially necessary labor. Oh. But that's, that's a circular argument because the way they'll determine whether it's socially necessary or not is whether it's worth anything. <laughs> and since <laughs> right. the mud pie isn't worth anything, they'll say, well, it's not socially necessary. So we, we see a problem there. Right. Another example is you walk down the street or you're in the forest and you see a diamond about as big as your fist.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and uh you stoop down which is a very little bit of labor and right. it's worth a million dollars well you know <laughs> there's a lot more in <laughs> a lot more value than the cost of you stooping down or maybe you just found it on a rock and you even have to stoop down uh so that would be another counter example a third counter example is look the amount of labor that went into that shirt or the, or your furniture or your car is the same big big uh it doesn't change over time right and yet the value of these things changes over time. So how can that be? I mean, if, if labor is the only thing that determines value and the labor is already inputted into old things, like, uh, say your car, uh, you have, um, I don't know, a Toyota say, and, and uh, the Toyota is worth 20,000. Well, there's 20,000 worth of labor, but then, uh, Maybe uh, the value increases because mm. everyone wants a Toyota or the value decreases because uh, people don't want a Toyota. But according to labor theory of value, the labor hasn't changed right. because this car was produced last year or, or five years ago whenever it was produced. So here we have three examples where the labor theory of value is just plain incorrect.
0: Right. It's It's almost as if something else determines value.
1: Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, What determines value? I mean, uh, the most superficial way uh, for uh, economists is supply and demand, right? How much supply is there and how much demand there is. Uh, Right now, um, uh, I don't know, uh, grapes are uh, uh, 50 cents a pound, uh, let's say. Right. Well, if we discover that uh, eating grapes will cure cancer, um, you know, (laughs) the demand curve will shift to the right, and uh, there's only a limited supply of grapes right now, and the price of grapes will triple and quadruple. But then next year, more farmers will make grapes, and then the the price will come down. So what determines uh, value is labor is a part of it who could deny that right uh but what what really determines it is uh supply and demand or uh that would be the mainstream way of looking at it the austrian way would look at it as well the subjective values both right. on on the demand and the supply side um uh, and that would determine the value uh, namely how much we value it and uh, you know how much uh, what, what the stock of it is at any given time
0: right that's that's kind of what I was thinking as you were talking. Like I've got this Tampa Bay Buccaneers th- shirt and I value it highly because I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. You being a New Orleans Saints fan probably don't value my Tampa Bay Buccaneers shirt nearly as much as I do.
1: No, I'm going to burn it if I can get my hands on it. That's an evil shirt. <laughs> you're you're an abomination for wearing that shirt.
0: <laughs> well, I, I'm not I'm not sorry. I don't apologize for that.
1: Oh, you're a rotten kid. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, you've got Jameis Winston. I don't want to get too far into football, but you know, maybe maybe you can have a reclamation project and, and project there and, and shove that back in our face. But I suspect he's going to throw a bunch of interceptions for you. So, uh, <laughs> uh,
1: I, I wanted to mention socialism uh, because a lot there are a lot of Christian socialists. Or not a lot, but there are some Christians who are socialists. Certainly, and and there are really two definitions of socialism. Mm-hmm. One definition of socialism, libertarians such as you and I can uh, can um, uh, support, namely, from each according to his ability to each uh, uh, from each according to his ability to each according to his need. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I have a family. When my daughter was three years old, she ate and had. Toys in accordance not with her ability to earn income, mm-hmm, right. which was uh, very minimal, but in accordance with her need, as mm-hmm. determined by my wife, right. the boss of the family. Yes, and um, most families are like that. And then you have the kibbutz and, and the condo, right. the condo, and and all sorts of. Um, uh, Christian um, uh, voluntary associations. Sure. They believe that people should work in in uh, and produce in accordance to their ability, and then they should eat or have toys or whatever it is in accordance to their need. Mm-hmm. So you might get a very poor person or an elderly person or a sick person who produces very little and yet uh, has more than everyone else because they need medical services. Right, and then you might have uh, people like you and I who are in the prime of their lives and are producing well, and uh, we're also given an. Average amount of stuff, or maybe even less, because we don't need that much. Now, as long as this is voluntary, this is unexceptionable, and and uh, not only Christians but Jews, anyone, atheists uh, can be socialists in that sense. Mm -hmm. So that's the um, the good sense of socialism. Then uh, then there's the Bernie Sanders sense of socialism. Mm -hmm. This is very different. This is government owns all the means of production. They own the factories, they own the roads, they own the cars, right. they own, uh, the, I don't know, the, the labor, the, the knitting mills, they own the grocery stores, they own everything, except for, you know, we can have our own underwear. <laughs> A and, toothbrush. And... and and, and, and we can have our own toothbrush. You know, they're not, they're rabid. They're, they're not <laughs> radical. <laughs> uh, you can have your toothbrush. You can have your underwear. Uh, maybe you can have a, a favorite. Um, um, uh, I think I see right behind you, there's a, a statue of, um, uh, what's his name? The, the, the guy with the mustache and the little beard right behind you. Uh, and, and that's your personal um, uh, thing. Oh, and, yeah, and then yeah. you have. Uh, y- you can have things like that. Right, right. Uh, you can have your own chair. We're not crazy. That's and nice. Maybe even a bicycle. But, but that's about it. You yeah. can't have any means of production. And, well, there's a lot of problems with that. <laughs> uh, one problem is, uh, well, it's a violation of rights. Right. So, from a de- uh, deontological point of view, you know, you produced uh, your grocery store and now they'll take it away from you? You know, we're talking uh, Cuba or the Soviet Union uh, kind of economy or North Korea. Uh, So from a deontological point of view, it's just a rights violation. Mm -hmm. But then from an economic point of view, it's very, very bad. Um, uh, I mean, uh, we had almost controlled experience between East Germany and West Germany, between North and South Korea. They were the same people, the same culture, the mm-hmm. same IQ, the same uh, language, the same everything. Germany—that uh, is the same language. East and West Germany had the same language, and North and South Korea had the same language. Right. Like, Korean is different than German. And due to an accident of war, one of them went socialist, mm-hmm. and the other didn't really go laissez-faire capitalist, but you know, closer-ish, right? And, and, and guess what happened? You know, people were voting with their feet. They were trying to get out of North Korea and into South Korea. They were trying to get out of East Germany and into West Germany uh, because uh, it was just a debacle, uh, the, the economy. And, and Mises and Hayek um, have shown um, uh, very clearly why why it is because, because, because central planning is irrational planning. Right. We have no price system. Um, uh, During the Soviet Union from 1917 to 1922, they had the um, pure Sovietism and and they didn't use prices and prices are to the economy as uh, street signs are to the uh, urban geography. Uh, Without them, you're sort of lost and um and it was so bad that um in 1922 they had to institute the nep the new economic plan mm. and now finally they took advantage of prices not their own prices because <laughs> uh, they, they you know they, they had no buying and selling of um, um uh, uh, of production goods but they would look at the chicago um, mercantile exchange prices they would look at the sears robot catalog right. and they would say see before look um uh what do you call it? Um, um, what, what's that um, uh, uh, metal that's very, very, um, uh, very, very expensive? Platinum. Platinum, platinum, yeah. will, make, platinum will make better railroad uh, lines than steel. <laughs> so, should we waste platinum on, on made railroad? Yeah, sure, because it's better than steel. That's during the, uh, uh, the the first pure socialism. Right. But then when they realized that the platinum uh, costs, you know, uh, 10 times the amount of steel, and therefore we have to reserve platinum for areas where, where much more important than steel and miles and miles of steel, well, then we no longer did that. Right. So – this is one of the reasons that Mises points out that without prices that reflect costs and and, and values, um, we're we're at ship at sea without a rudder. We can't rationally plan. We're going to use uh, platinum for um, uh, for railroad ties, or or uh, then there's the question: we want to build a railroad. Should we go around the mountain or through the mountain? Right. Well, through the mountain uh, costs more now, but it, it'll save um, miles and miles for, for years and years. Uh-huh. On the other hand, if we go around the mountain, it's cheaper now. Well, how do you determine that? Right. Well, you need an interest rate. Well, then there ain't no interest rates in, in the <laughs> Soviet Union. So we, we, we can't know. And, and uh, so now Bernie Sanders says, well, what he means by socialism is Sweden and, and um, um, right Norway and, and uh, Denmark and Finland. One of my publications is a rating of the economic freedom of all countries. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The Scandinavian countries are in the top decile of economic freedom. I'm not surprised. so so, so- I mean they're not number 1 right. uh, or number 2 but they're I mean if you have 100 countries the top 10 is 10 countries mm-hmm. they're in there or maybe they're 12th or 13th they're very very free enterprise They have very low tariffs or low regulation right. uh, they're they're very good well they're a little weak on uh, redistribution but um in in many regards they're very very free market mm-hmm. so bernie is uh, guilty of some sort of fraud what what really is socialism nowadays is Cuba and Venezuela right. and uh, North Korea. And and then he says, well, I, I want Scandinavia. Well, Scandinavia is uh, very, very free. So, mm-hmm. Bernie, what's what's going <laughs> on here? By the way, I pick on Bernie because he and I went to high school together. We were on the track team together. We were sort of buddies. So I uh, there are other socialists also, but I uh, I use Bernie as my uh, main example. So who was faster you Were you or Bernie? Oh, he was way faster. He was one of the best um, – Ah, uh, best runners in the city. The, really? the joke I tell is that Bernie doesn't run away from things. He didn't <laughs> run away from socialism, even when it it was not as popular as it is now, due in part mainly to him, or in, in great part to him. Right. He doesn't even run away from letting uh, convicts vote. And I'm not talking about ex-convicts. He wants to allow convicts to vote. Sure. But there's one person from whom he runs away, me, because <laughs> we start off. With, we ran the same uh, distances—a quarter, uh, half a mile, and up. Yeah and we'd start off at the same starting line and then he'd run away from me because he was really <laughs> one of the best runners in the whole city and i was a mediocre yeah. runner
0: but you're still you do uh, race walking right
1: i do yeah. i do competitive race walking i've had two hips and a knee change so i can't run anymore uh, but i i can race walk
0: i'll tell you a funny a quick funny story about that i ran a half marathon <clears throat> gosh it's been probably 5 or 10 years ago and uh, there were a number of race walkers that were in that mar- uh, half marathon, and about, you know, of course, that's thirteen point what three miles or whatever. About mile eleven, one of those race walkers went right past me. So no, no, it's kudos not surprising. To uh, the, top,
1: uh, the top race walkers, you know what they can do in a mile, one mile, five and a half minutes. Yeah. Now look, it's not under four, but five and a half minutes is a lot faster, and a lot of people can do a mile.
0: Uh, I certainly couldn't run a mile that fast right now. No, no, not me either. <laughs> I'll tell you something interesting. I've actually used the uh, the sign analogy that uh, that you brought up. I've used that uh, in an article. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but as the uh, British were preparing for the possibility of a Nazi invasion in World War II, they actually took down all the street signs. Uh, and, and the point was to try to confuse any troops so they wouldn't know where they were. And that's exactly what you're saying with prices. When you get rid of the price system or even, even tinker with it the way the Federal Reserve does with, uh, with interest rates and whatnot, it makes it difficult to get around.
1: Well, interest rates are one of the most important prices. Uh, I mean, the price of steel only applies to steel. Price of bananas only applies to bananas. The price, uh, interest rate applies to everything. So the interest rate, when the Fed screws around with interest rates, they're really messing up the economy. Sure. Uh, I, I I've got a half hour to give you, and we've got only five minutes left. So you said you had another question you wanted I do. To I want
0: I want to wrap up on something. Uh, you can. You can do this as quickly as as you possibly can. You are well known for defending the undefendable, right? right? I want you. Right. I want you to defend something that is going to make my audience uncomfortable. Okay? What is it? Whatever you want? I mean, just pick, pick something that, that you've oh, that you've defended oh. that will make that you think will make my audience uncomfortable.
1: Well, legalizing prostitution and, and heroin, I think will make your audience uncomfortable. I think it probably See, will. But, but a lot of people what, when when you say you want to legalize these things, it doesn't mean you favor these things. Correct. Look, I, I have a wife, I have a daughter, I have a sister. I wouldn't want any of them to be prostitutes. And I don't go to prostitutes. I think prostitution is a very, very bad way for people to interact. But if, God forbid, my, my sister, my uh, my wife, my uh, daughter was a prostitute, the question now comes, should they go to jail for that? Right. Which is a very different question. So I appeal to Christians and say, look, we, we want to legalize this. Doesn't mean we favor it. Right. We can still argue against it. We can still protest against it. Uh, in Nevada, they have legalized prostitution. Mm-hmm. And all through Europe, they have legalized prostitution. This is something that libertarians favor. But that doesn't mean we favor prostitution itself. So a lot of Christians might reject the legalization of prostitution or of heroin or whatever on the grounds that they think, well, if you're going to legalize it, you're giving the imprimatur to it. Right. No. No. Uh, look, I, I hate the, uh, those shirts uh, that you're wearing, uh, but I think it should be legal. <laughs> I don't think you should go to jail for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> uh, it was close. Uh, you know, there are certain exceptions. I, I, I understand. The law against those shirts, <laughs> but uh, I but the libertarianism in me uh, kicked in, and, and I think it should be legal. But we should protest those shirts because, you know, those shirts are despicable. And so is um, uh, using heroin. Well, you know, heroin— you know, if you have the fourth stage cancer and the morphine no longer works, right? And the only thing you got is heroin. Well, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm against. Uh, look, I have uh, children, I have grandchildren. I wouldn't want the healthy. Thank God I wouldn't want them to use heroin. But for people who are in the last stages of an a, a incurable disease that, that is just excruciatingly painful, mm-hmm. I personally, you know, what the heck.
0: Right. I agree. Uh,
1: but you know, but prostitution, I think, you know, is just a very bad way for people to interact with each other. Much nicer to uh, to interact in other ways, other right. than prostitution. But but we sh- still should not put people in jail for um, capitalist acts between consenting adults. Yes. You know, otherwise we're going to put Christians in jail, and, and 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 some people are now putting Christians in jail. Very true. Uh, for violating the the mask uh, regime and mm-hmm. all that. Hmm. So you know, um, what's that Reverend Nehemiah said? I, I at first they came for this group, and I wasn't this group, right, so I didn't right. protest. Then they came for that group, and I was in that group, and and I didn't. And now they came for me, and there's and nobody, nobody left. left. to So I, I appeal to Christians who are libertarians, or I appeal to Christians to convert to libertarianism, the one true faith. Yes. I- I'm kidding. There. Uh, and, and embrace the idea that there's a, an important distinction between um, uh, prohibiting and, and, um, and, uh, and engaging in or, right. or using. So prostitution should be legal, and no one, and no one should be a prostitute. Perfect. That
0: was, that was outstanding. Well, I, I will let you go. I do appreciate the time that you've given me. You've been a delight and uh, appreciate all of the work you've done over the years for the uh, the cause of liberty.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Take care of yourself. Be safe. I will. You too. All right. Well, I hope you guys
0: enjoyed that conversation with Walter Block, and I hope it cleared up some of these uh, economic myths That are embedded into some of the socialist thought. Now, I recognize that there is some more sophisticated thinking out there. um, And, you know, but for this episode, I really wanted to just hit some of these basic things. So really appreciate Walter coming on. And, you know, where else are you going to get a podcast where the host is threatened with jail and also having his shirt burned? I mean, you know, uh, how, how good does it get, right? Um, so, I think with that, we will wrap up this episode of the Godarchy Podcast. I, uh, again, thank you for taking a little bit of time to listen to the show. If you want to support what we're doing here at Godarchy, you can do that. Just go to patreon.com slash Godarchy, and you'll see the supporting listeners program over there. Uh, the most significant thing, uh, and what I think differentiates this from other uh, supporting listeners groups, um, is that 40% of the support that comes in goes right back out to other uh, individuals and organizations that uh, we want to support or who need help. Uh, kind of this idea of putting voluntarism into action. Um, doing what we can to reach out and help others, kind of spreading the wealth, so to speak. Um, We do have a Facebook group where we chit-chat, and uh, supporting listeners can be over there. And I'm trying to figure out some other things that I can do to, to the benefit of my supporters, because I do very much appreciate each one of them. If you don't want to do the Patreon thing, you can donate directly to Godarchy uh, through a PayPal link. You'll find that over on uh, godarchy.org, the website. Uh, and of course, always encourage you to check out what's going on over there at the website. Lots of articles. Um, and exciting news, I have um, begun the outlining process of of the Godarchy book. In fact, I have it completely outlined, which was the huge first step that was hanging me up. So, I'm hoping within the next... Uh, I don't want to put time on it. I would love it to be in the next year, there will be a Godarchy book. And uh, supporter supporting listeners will get a free copy of that book, by the way. Um, so, do check out the website, godarchy.org. You can see the back episodes of the podcast, a lot of articles over there as well. Um, And uh, social media, we're on Facebook, we're on MeWe. Uh, The podcast can be found on the YouTube channel if you want to check it out over there. Uh, That's all the places. Links to all this stuffs on the show notes page. And I have rambled enough. I hope you have uh, a great couple of weeks. And I will be back again with another episode in approximately two weeks, God willing. And the creek don't rise. Thanks again. I'll talk to you later. Oh, really? Oh,
1: okay.
0: Oh, oh. uh, um, excuse me. You, uh, you have been listening to the God Urky Ur- podcast in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. With Mike Meharry. God Godarchy is an, oh, me, oh, my, oh, my goodness, production. Um, you can find us on the World Wide Web at Godarchy.org, um, on the Facebook at Godarchy.org, and on the Twitter at Godarchy. If you want to get in touch, email us at info at Godarchy.org, but no stupid questions, please. And you can support the show at Patreon.com. I mean, get in that pocketbook and get some money out. This ain't cheap to do. Thank you for listening. Thank you, and God bless you all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.